Hello, sports fans. We hope you're doing well. And welcome to Charlie and Jake's Hot Takes. We have a great show coming up for you today. And uh, Jake, why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about? We're going to be talking some NFL free agency, some NFL draft, NFL quarterbacks, and some March Madness. What could have been? Yeah, obviously. Some missed opportunities there. But uh, we're going to start with the quarterback market. And uh, obviously, it was a turbulent market this year. There was a lot of movement, perhaps the most in any offseason that I can remember. I think so, for sure. A lot of movement with the guys. So um, in this, in this uh, segment, we want to maybe talk about our favorites, our least favorites. And uh, Jake, you can get started on your favorite move. My favorite move, I personally didn't love a lot of the moves. But if I had to pick one, I like Nick Foles. You don't have to pay him a lot of money, but he's a good guy who could come in with a great defense shown he can win, and he's a good team. This is similar to the Philly team that he took to the Super Bowl. So I think it's very similar and could be a lot of good results. What do you think about that? I mean, I definitely think that Nick Foles has the pedigree to lead a team to a Super Bowl. We've seen him do it before as a backup quarterback. But it's just what bothers me from that perspective is, how, what have we seen him do when he's not wearing that green, when he's not wearing the, the uh, wings on his helmet? He's really struggled outside of Philadelphia, and I mean, it is an anomaly. But at this at this stage in his career, with this much with this much um, with this much of a career that's gone on, and how much he's been out of Philly, and he hasn't really done anything, I think it's like a relevant a relevant thing. I agree with you there, but outside of Philly, he hasn't had great opportunities. Like that Jacksonville team last year was lackluster. This Chicago team, he's got some guys around him. They've got Montgomery. They've got Tariq Cohen. He's got Allen Robinson. He's got receivers. He's got a good old line and a great defense. Obviously, he's not a guy that's going to be able to take a below-average team to the playoffs in the Super Bowl. But in a division that's very competitive, he could kind of get them over the hump and get them maybe into that 9-7, and 10-6 range, I think. I think that that's definitely a possibility. But back to what you said about Jacksonville. Obviously, there are problems in Jacksonville. The whole Tom Coughlin fiasco last year at the beginning of the year, Jalen Ramsey. It was a turbulent situation. But Nick Foles went 0-4 as their starter. Gardner Minshew went 6-6. Six and 6-6 six. Six and six is not a bad record. And that really – I saw that when I was uh, prepping, and it really was like – it made me think, Is was Nick Foles a problem? I mean, he – he didn't – his stats, he really didn't do anything. He Three touchdowns and two picks. He was very pedestrian. But just the fact that he was a starter for four games and they didn't win one was very alarming to me. Well, I think we saw Nick Foles, right? We saw him get fully healthy against Kansas City, the Super Bowl champ. So that's a tough game. And then yeah. a collarbone, that's a bad injury. That's a serious injury. Aaron Rodgers really was never able to come back from it. It's a tough thing to come back from. So I don't think we saw a fully healthy Nick Foles like we saw in Philadelphia. And that game, he was off to a pretty good start when we first saw him healthy, motivated. And I think we're going to get him a rejuvenated guy if he could come out and win that Chicago quarterback competition, which I think he will. Yeah, to the Chicago quarterback situation. Well, I mean, we know Mitch, what Mitch Trubisky is. Do we think – all right, let me rephrase that. Do we think we know who Mitch Trubisky is? Do we think we've seen the best of Mitch Trubisky? And do we think that there's more to his game than what he's shown so far? Well, what I think is, which is really awesome about my favorite part about this whole situation, I think both Foles and Trubisky could be NFL quarterbacks. And I think that the competition will bring out the best in them. And if at least one of them, then we'll really see a really good guy. Because Trubisky and obviously Foles have shown flashes of greatness. And they're both at stages of their career where they could continue to be great. So I think that they have a lot of potential. And it's a good situation Chicago has. And, I mean, at the beginning when this deal um, took place, when the trade went down, everybody just immediately assumed since Nick Foles getting paid all this money that he was definitively the starter. But 
um, I think it went a little bit unnoticed that he did restructure his contract. He's not making as much money guaranteed. A lot of his, a lot of it is incentive based. So whereas it would be bad if you were paying him 20 million guaranteed to sit on the bench for whatever it is now, I think it was now like 8 million comparatively. That's a, that's a huge difference. Yeah, that is. Thing. And it's, that's more conceivable. Some backup quarterbacks get paid near that area anyways. So it's not like, I don't think the money will be as much of a factor now that he restructured his contract. Yeah, but I just like the move for Chicago because even when Mitch Trubisky, you could say that, that they were inches away from going to the divisional playoffs against new, um, the Rams two years ago. And Trubisky was not stellar. He was 24 and 12, 3,000 yards. Like that's something Foles or Trubisky could do. And that could get them to where they need to be because that's a similar team to the team they were two years ago. Still a great defense, still weapons on the outside, still a strong offensive line, still strong running backs. Like the quarterback that's missing, and hopefully one of these guys can bring it for them. Two NFL-caliber starting quarterbacks they have. Yeah, but the offense, it's, it's really – it worries me. I mean, they, first of all, giving Jimmy Graham two years, $16 million, $9 million guaranteed and a no-trade clause was – I don't love that, yeah. That was, I mean, Sierra's got Eric Ebron for two years, $12 million. That, like, the Jimmy Graham deal was something. I mean, David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen are good. They're a good duo. I like them. Yeah. I think they have potential. Tariq Cohen, he really he kind of fell off of a bridge, and I don't know if that was – I don't know why. He kind yeah. of wasn't the same guy. I mean, or when the quarterback's not playing well, it's really tough to get the offense going. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that this could light a necessary fire under Trubisky. But for Trubisky, it's so hard, like – I mean, obviously he hasn't been good, and that's on him somewhat. But it's so hard. He got drafted. He got drafted before Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And he's also he's also got to stay healthy, which I think is a huge thing for him. That shoulder that he keeps injuring. If you can't, do, if you're in a quarterback competition, you can't stay healthy. That doesn't look good for him at all. And Foles doesn't have the cleanest injury history. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how yeah. hopefully neither of the guys get injured. But if one of them gets injured, the next guy gets the spot. I don't – I think it's one of those situations – I do not think one of these guys will start 16 games. I, think I agree with both of these guys. All right, what do you think? What's your favorite quarterback move? You know, I mean, I, again, felt that this fell under the radar a little bit. But I really like Teddy Bridgewater of the Panthers. I really enjoyed it. I think it's just one of those moves that's – it's it's not it's not it's not um super exciting, but Teddy Bridgewater is a really solid quarterback. He can run Matt Rule's offense, and he's just in the time that he's gotten, he's never done anything wrong. He might not light it up. He might not give you um four thousand five hundred yards. He might not like win you the game, but he's not going to lose the game. Yeah, but the problem with that move, and I this has nothing to do with Teddy Bridgewater. I love him, but he's going to have to win games in Carolina. They just lost their best player on defense. They're not great on the offensive line. They're not great on defense. They have a couple couple good receivers. Obviously, McCaffrey's great. But they're not such a setup situation. Like, he was in New Orleans when he went 5-0 where he's just got to be a game manager. Now he's going to have to win games. I don't know if he can do that in Carolina. It's not the same situation he was when he went 5-0 in New Orleans with great receivers, great running backs, and an overall great team. Yeah, I definitely see that. I mean, this is probably on paper the fourth best team in the division. But I don't think this is a this-year move. I think this year is going to be a building year. I mean, what very, very uh, not – it doesn't happen a lot that you have a, a first-year coach, like especially a guy like Rule, who we know he's doing it his own way, just like based on who he's picked up, getting rid of Cam, getting rid of all like everything mm-hmm. they're coaching. Like, he did, he re, he's, it's an organizational makeover. So I don't think this move is geared at this year, although I think they can be more competitive than most people think. But I think by year two or year three, Teddy Bridgewater could anchor a really good offense. I mean – 
if you look at it from from this perspective, obviously Christian McCaffrey, in my opinion, the best running back in football. He can do yeah. everything for you. He can catch a hundred passes. He can run for two thousand yards if you give him enough. If you give him enough touches, and then receiver wise, they're really they've, they've got some guys. I like they her, do have some guys from Ohio State. He's a he's a player. DJ Moore is like a one one elevated season from being like in that top tier. No, I agree. He was he was fantastic this season. And then the but, Robbie Anderson, I like Robbie Anderson a lot. He mm-hmm. was he was a good player on the Jets. I just yeah. the thing is the one thing with the Robbie Anderson move is Teddy Bridgewater is not the guy who's gonna take the top off the defense. That's what I'm saying. It's like it just doesn't make a lot of sense the team. And also Curtis Samuel and um DJ Moore. It's a def- it's an offense that they want to take the top off you, and he's not the type of quarterback to do that. But I think that might be the schemes that he's been in. Like we don't know. We've never seen him test it, but I think that it's possible. I mean, if Matt Rule gives him the keys to the offense, maybe he shows us that he can do it. I mean, obviously, it's not a guarantee. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's a guy who threw sixty-eight. He had a sixty-eight percent completion percentage. So he was. This was this was last year. Yeah, let, let me read the stats. Last year, when he was five and zero as a starter, he had nine touchdowns, two picks, sixty-eight percent, sixty-seven point nine completion percentage. And his completion percentage would have been fifth in the league had he qualified. And like you said, he was 5-0 and as a starter. So, he's a- But, but and- I really think that's a very misleading stat looking with who he was playing with. Best receiver in the NFL, top five running back, another great running back with Latavius Murray. And that's a great team. He's not getting that in Carolina, not even close. That's fair. That's fair. But I just feel like this offense has so much percent- potential. And even if you don't think he's going to take the top off the defense – I just think he's gonna he's not gonna throw the ball away and you're gonna let Christian McCaffrey dictate the games. And then if they really wanna stack the box and play against Christian McCaffrey, Teddy Bridgewater can throw throw to a good receiver one on one. I agree with that. That's true. So I think that's, I have a question, right? Let me hear. You just paid him three years, sixty million, right? And yeah. you gotta say that this year they're not gonna be great. And yeah. I know there were earlier reports earlier in the offseason about them tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Do you really think that he's going to be better than Trevor Lawrence in the future? I kind of thought that that was going to be their plan. Go 2-14, and 3-13. and 13. They really didn't have the talent. And get Trevor Lawrence, who I think could be really, really good. And now with Teddy Bridgewater, they're 6-10, and 7-9, 8-18. Not a playoff team, but not a team that's in position to sign a great quarterback like Trevor Lawrence or even Justin Fields, who shows signs of maybe being better than Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. I just feel – I think that it could be a stopgap move. You're right. It definitely could be where they make him the starter for two years and make him the backup for one. What what we've learned from this offseason is if you're – and prior offseasons as well, the past three, if you're if you're a solid quarterback, if you have a decent track record, you're getting money. And if you're in the position and need a quarterback, you're going to have to pay a that pretty price. And that's just the reality of the situation. So I think out of the options that the Panthers had, I like this one the most. But, like, I really wasn't in love with – like you said, I wasn't really in love with any of the moves either. Yeah, I don't think was, there was one that stood above the rest. Just a lot of guys throwing money around in desperation. So now let's talk about some of the moves we don't like. And what did you think was your least favorite quarterback move? You know, I was debating with this one. It's weird. I was thinking at first, all right, this is my favorite. And then I looked a little deeper in and I was like, Phillip Rivers to the Colts really just it, – it, it, it doesn't do it for me. I really don't think it's going to end well. I mean, so you have, you have Jacoby Brissett, right? Jacoby Brissett and Phil Rivers are polar opposites. They live on two ends of the spectrum. You have Phillip Rivers, who threw 23 touchdowns and 20 picks last year. He's a gunslinger. He's, uh, he's uh, barely on the right side of 40. He's, um, he has a well-documented career. 
He's done a lot of – he's played a lot of football, but he really – it's just – this was something – this was less based off the stats and more based off of watching some of the Chargers last year, like watching that game against Pittsburgh, watching that one of those games against Kansas City. He just didn't look like he had it. There were times – I just don't think he's going to win you football games. And I think that Frank Reich, who's the uh, coach for Indiana. the uh, Indianapolis Colts, he was uh, Rivers', Rivers coordinator in 2017 and Rivers had a good year but um Frank Reich still views him as an elite quarterback that's his quote and um or that's paraphrased but he did say something along the lines of saying he really liked Philip Rivers and he still thought he was he didn't see anything that like indicated a physical decline he thought it was more of a scheme and I agree if you watch the Chargers I think that there's a lot of stuff going wrong but he could still play like any other quarterback in the NFL like he doesn't play like he's how old is he 38 39 years old he was he was bad. 38 he was really bad this year. He struggled at some points with ball security, but he's also two years removed from an MVP season. Two years ago, he was third in the MVP rate, and they were 12-4. and four. And I think he's coming into a good situation in a bad division. Jacksonville's bad. We don't know about Houston. And Tennessee's going to be Tennessee, but they were still a 9-7, and 10-6 team. And I think the Colts got an upgrade with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, with Philip Rivers instead of Jacoby Brissett. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I just feel like – just getting an older quarterback who's coming off the worst year of his career and asking him to lead you to the division, that's him winning you games. That's You're saying, Phillip Rivers, come in, you're going to win us some games. Well, Phillip Rivers is a guy, unlike Teddy Bridger, he's either going to win you the game or he's going to lose you the game. And I think that that's a risk that they're willing to take one year, not like you're bogged down with him. And if he could come out and play and get you to the playoffs, it's a success. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly that way of looking at it. But I just see this Chargers – I don't think his Chargers team, even with all the injuries they had, this Chargers team that he led to a 5-11 and record is not that much better than – is not that much worse than the Colts. Yes, but they were five plays away from 10-6. and six. But that's, that's kind of been the story. So we'll, play, we'll, we'll see if it's the Phillip Rivers lock or if it was the Chargers lock. But they were very close to being a playoff team in a much, much tougher division with the champs. And Denver and Oakland were good, talented teams competing all year. I mean, if Adam Vinatieri is still kicking for the Colts next year, yeah, that <laughs> is might have, that he might problem. have the same issue. Yeah, that could be some Rivers lock, but hopefully they're they wisen up and realize that they have a chance this year. No, I, I definitely agree. So, Jake, what was your uh, what was the move that you really you weren't a fan? So, I'm going to talk about the big one now. I'm going to talk about Tom Brady. I didn't love the move. Didn't okay. really make. Didn't really make much sense to me. I didn't think it was Tampa Bay's not some luxurious city. He's old, and it's a downgrade from last year. Tampa Bay is not as good as New England was last year with that great defense. And Mike Evans is an over-the-top receiver. So Tom Brady at 42 does not have the arm strength to get Mike Evans what he needs to be and maximize his potential. In a very brutal division, Atlanta's going to have a rejuvenated year. Carolina's going to be a mediocre team, but I don't know. Tampa you're just saying they were going 2-14. and 14. No, I didn't. I said that without Teddy Bridgewater, they could go 2-14. and 14. I just don't see the move. I just don't understand. 42 years old, he should have stayed in New England or gone to the Chargers. This just isn't a very good team. What's he doing there? Not a great offensive line. No running game. He had three great running backs last year. Now he has zero. He has a and defense, and a good pass rush, no secondary. Not a great offensive line. I just don't know what he's doing. From the defensive standpoint, uh, just for Tampa Bay, uh, I think their defense is up and coming. But 
Obviously, we want to talk more about Tom Brady than the defense. But just to, yeah, but up and coming, he's forty-two I, years old. They got to They got to be. I like the Tampa Bay defense. They improved a lot last year, and you know there are issues. There are definitely issues on the team. But for you to say that Tom Brady can't, he can still. Jake, when he at the beginning of the season, he was throwing really good ball. Like he was playing great. He tear, he tore through a Steelers defense that ended up being pretty solid. He tore through a bunch of defenses and then. And a scheme that was set up for him, though. That's a Tom Brady scheme. Those quick hitters, great offensive line, and you can say whatever you want about those receivers, but they knew what to do. They knew to get to their spot. If he says 12 yards, Edelman's at 12 yards. It's just a culture. He was a product of the New England culture. Now at 42, coming into a culture that is far from the New England culture, how's he going to act? And an offense that just isn't set up for him. I think you're doubting a little bit too much Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians has worked with Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck, He's had Carson – he rejuvenated Carson Palmer's career in Arizona. If he can rejuvenate Carson Palmer's career in Arizona, I think he can take a 42-year-old Tom Brady who's still playing good ball. I think that was, that, that, was Brady, that was a great Arizona team. Though. That was a team. very good team. You're right, you're right, you're right. But I think Tom Brady is still playing – like he still had 24 touchdowns. He, threw, he still only had eight interceptions. He still threw for over 4,000 yards. I don't think he's, gonna, he's still going to be Tom Brady. I don't think he's going to be a big interception guy. But just the numbers have gone down, 2015, 36 and 7, 28 and 2 in 2016, 2017, 32 and 8, then 29 and 11, and now down to 24 and 8. He's on a decrease. So how much lower is he going to decrease with a much worse offensive line? If you're going to be an older quarterback, you need a good offensive line. Fair, fair, fair. Which Philip Rivers has. Philip Rivers does have a better offensive line, but, I mean, there were only a two-sack difference between the, uh, Phil, the Chargers quarterbacks and the Colts quarterbacks. But back to our original, what Brady? I think I think Chris Godwin and top, I really think you're underestimating these guys. Mike Evans is a deep threat, but he can do anything. He can run the crossing route. He can run slants. He can run a ten yard out. He can really do anything for you. And he's a he's a beast. I think I think yeah, that we haven't seen him so much do what you and Edelman did, which Brady needs. I think Chris Godwin could. I think Chris Godwin's gonna have a great year. But how good is Mike Evans gonna be? And Someone who's a huge question mark, and I think might be the X factor on this team, a guy that I was really high on come last summer, but now I'm like not sure. OJ okay. Howard. OJ Howard. What's he going to do? Guy who's great out of Alabama, was really had a lot of expectations for him. And now, what? What? I mean, terrible last year. Had games with zero catches. Well, I mean, you know, a tight end is a safe throw, usually. You get a couple five yard, 10 yard. Which Brady loves. Which Brady loves and Jameis Winston is heavily opposed to, mm-hmm. and I think that O.J. Howard. I don't think he's going to ever be as good as people originally thought. I mean, there were people thought at his draft during the draft when he was picked that he was like a top tier, in that that he had the potential to be a top tier Kelsey Ertz Gronk that type of mold. I don't know if he's that, but I think that Brady Brady didn't have a t- who played tight end for the Patriots last year, and I'm genuinely asking because I don't know. They, they didn't, didn't, they didn't really have a tight end. Tight end. Yeah. So Brady's going to be excited. He's going to use O.J. Howard, who has a lot of physical gifts. He can yeah, definitely. He's had games. Like, he's definitely showcasing. He just hasn't been consistent. And I think that's the type of guy who's going to benefit so much from having a guy like Tom Brady, not only on the field, but off the field, at practice. Had Tom Brady in the building, I think he's a culture changer. But this is what it comes down to, and I think this is what it comes down to. Jameis Winston, who, although he had his mistakes, interceptions, which not all 30 were his fault, still was top of the league in passing. Oh, 25 were. (laughs) Second in passing touchdowns, led the league in passing yards, 
can you tell me that a 42-year-old, going to be 43-year-old Tom Brady is three or four games better than Jameis Winston, can get you from 7-9 to 10-6, 11-5? And if you could do that, it's a great move, but I just don't think so with the way it's set up. I think it's certainly a possibility, and I think, I think Tom Brady has something to prove. You know he wants to prove that he's not just a Belichick scheme, and this is a late time. In his well, 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 well. Let's see how much he really wants to prove it. Because if he really wanted to prove it, he could have gone to Miami or he could have gone to the Chargers where he would have played New England and kind of done that. But I think he's a little scared, and he knows that he's 42 years old. But we're going to fault him for going to the team with the best receivers. I mean, it's a, it's a quarterback's dream to play with two guys who have elite potential. That is true. That Chris is true. Godwin. I mean, you can't talk about him enough. He's 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 really good. He's and good. He's, he's good. Really and he's out true. of nowhere. And Mike Evans is first class. And I think we're gonna. I think Brady still has a couple of deep balls in him to uh, take the top off. It's gonna be a different Tampa Bay team. They're not gonna play the same run and gun way. I don't think. I think it's gonna be a little more methodical. And I think that that's gonna be a better thing for them. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see Tampa Bay play. All right, it's now a, let's go. It's on. intriguing. It's intriguing. Let's talk about my boy Cam Newton. What do you think about him? Well, Cam Newton, you know, so uh, just a couple of notes. On Wednesday's episode of SportsCenter, Jeff Darlington reported there's no real demand for quarterbacks right now, talking about both James Winston and Cam Newton. And And Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton, all of them. But So that was an alarming thing for me to read. And so before we talk about does Cam Newton still have it, we can talk about some fits, and then we have – obviously, we're going to go deeper into some of the teams that we talk about and their QB. So, we see – we think we see a fit. I, my favorite fit is the Chargers. Right now, I think they're going to go with Tyrod Taylor. We'll get deeper into that in a little bit. But he's – if you're going with Tyrod Taylor, you want a mobile quarterback who can make things happen in that way, who can run an offense that's more like spread and fluid. Mm-hmm. Cam can do that for you. And now that Cam is getting released, he's being released by the uh, Panthers, it becomes where you could get him on a one-year deal. For the Chargers, I think it's almost a done deal that they will be taking a quarterback in this year's draft. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, why not waste – why are you going to waste a draft pick when you could get Cam Newton, right? Because you're going to have to bring in another guy with Tyrod Taylor. I think that's a given, that you're going to need to bring in some competition because Tyrod Taylor has proved that he can be good but unchecked with no one else backing him up. It's just unrealistic. So why would you waste a draft if you could get a guy like Cam Newton who could fit the scheme? So I just think Cam Newton, he's got it. He just has it. I don't think he's the same guy from 2015 where he had a great year, but he can win you games in a good team and he can get you to the playoffs. Yeah, I think that he definitely still has something. There's, he's definitely not done, in my opinion. I think he still has some competitive good football. He's not going to be 2015 – MVP Cam Newton. Well, yeah, but I don't know if anyone could be get to that level. Very few no, guys. No, 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 for sure. And then another team that has a need is the Patriots, but that just doesn't for me. At least that makes no. I think I think we're gonna see, but they got to get another quarterback. So do we think they're gonna draft someone, Andy Dalton? What do you think is gonna happen with New England's quarterback situation? Well, for New England, um, I think they draft somebody third or fourth round, maybe. I think they're really going to – I think they're going to put their trust in Stidham. I think they're going to roll with a Stidham-Warrior combo going into uh, training camp. And it's so unorthodox, but I really don't think – I mean, I feel like if Andy Dalton goes on the market, Andy Dalton just seems like a Bill Belichick guy. He's never been a 
talker. He does what he needs to do. He's I love Andy Dolan. I think the guy can win. I've seen him come in, and he was just in a terrible situation last yeah. year. They were all. But I think – That was not on. Cincinnati has been a playoff team with Andy Dolan. He's gotten teams to the playoffs with less talent than New England has. New England's going to have the best defense in the league. So can you really waste a year with that great defense? Because eventually you got to get new contracts. So you're not going to have this great defense forever. They already lost Van Noy. So what are we – I don't know. It's it's certainly an interesting thing. Because Stidham is not getting them to the playoffs. I watched him play at Auburn, yeah. and then I just don't think he's a guy that could get them to the playoffs. So, yeah, again, for for Cam, he could also – he could, if neither of those teams come calling, I think if either of those teams call him, he's going there. Yeah. That's pretty a done deal because that's those are the two opportunities to start. I mean, I can't really do yeah. anything else. But he could he could do a backup role. He could do a Tannehill situation, come into a team like – I like – weirdly enough, I like the Ravens. And not because he's going to play over Lamar Jackson. I was reading in an article. I was reading ESPN where they were talking about fits for Cam and Jameis. And they listed um, the Ravens. And at first I was, I was kind of like, that makes no sense. Then I was like, maybe Cam – it's weird because Cam obviously is older and has more, has more experience than Lamar Jackson. But if he can learn a little bit from Lamar – kind of tailor his game a little more even though he's older but he hasn't he he wasn't running he's like he's, he's not he's not as fast as Lamar is though Lamar's got four three speed come Cam Newton does not have that but just under that offense obviously they the um the coordinators and the coaches for that team remade that offense I think he can learn a lot and it could be a potential it could be a winning ordeal for both sides because then if you do have an injury you have probably the best backup quarterback in football or you go to yeah, play. but I just think that that's – I could see Cam Newton being a backup quarterback, but a backup quarterback there, I don't know. Because that's just, like, not somewhere he's ever going to start. He's never going to be the Baltimore Ravens starting quarterback, maybe for a couple of games if Lamar Jackson gets banged up. But a situation with Tannehill, there was Tannehill came into an un, not great quarterback situation with Marcus Mariota. Yeah. That's why I think I think Pittsburgh could be an option for him. Pittsburgh, or- I think Pittsburgh's going to get either Jameis or Cam. I think Jameis might be a better situation in Pittsburgh, though. Yeah, where you're not sure what Ben is going to be when he comes back. Yeah. It makes and it even if he does come back, how many years does Ben have left? Yeah. It, it does make a good amount of sense, either of those guys. But um, here's my uh, out of left field. So, obviously, the Jaguars have done so many moves that, made, that have made everybody cringe. Obviously, trading Calais Campbell for a fifth, yeah. trading A.J. Bowie for the for a fourth, I believe. Yeah. Just, like, getting really dimes on the dollar for uh, – for good yeah. players. So maybe, you know, right now, I mean, as it stands, who's coming to that stadium to see a team that's not really trying and really upsetting the fans? So this could be a move where you get him. He has a competition with Minshew. I think Gardner would still start the season, but Gardner Minshew has a couple of a couple of rough games. Boom, Cam Newton's in. He has an opportunity with a team where if they do it. well, it's him. If he goes to one of those teams, for example, if he goes to Pittsburgh, he ends up starting, they have a great defense. Mm-hmm. And he might not play that well. He can win. Jacksonville would present the unique opportunity where if they are winning, they're successful on offense, it's hit. It's hit. I, don't, I think Jacksonville's a great spot, but I don't, I don't think he's shallow enough that he really cares about how he's winning. Like, if he goes to Pittsburgh, Ben gets hurt, he starts winning. No, but that's a proven. I'm saying – if he, I'm saying, if he resurre- if he makes Jacksonville a winning football team, he will get the credit for that. Not only like to pump up an ego or something. I more mean within future contract considerations mm-hmm. and his net. Because I think wherever he goes, it's a one year deal. 
Yeah, I I like Jacksonville a lot. I think that's a fit, and they have a couple guys. And what are they? What's Jacksonville picking? They're picking. They could get CD Lamb, Jerry Judy, Rugs. They're going to yeah. get another receiver. They have some talent there. Only DJ Chark was great. Fournette. Chark. That's that. Mm-hmm. And who knows what that defense could do? So I think that's a good fit. And isn't devoid of talent. Still, have Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, and God, nobody knows what's up with that situation. But yeah. Hopefully they. Know. But if they get Cam, who knows? That could kind of put them in the winning direction. And like, I think Cam like would be starting over Gardner Minshew. Like, like we said in the uh, previous segment with um, Philip Rivers, that division is so wide open. So wide open. Yeah. Really, especially with what happened with Houston. I still think it's Houston's division to lose. But very wide open division. Yeah. So now we talked about the fits. Do we think Cam Newton is still an effective quarterback? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He's still a top 15, 20 quarterback in the NFL. Absolutely. He's got to get it. He's a little turnover prone in his last two full seasons. He threw 16 and 13 interceptions, which isn't great, but he can still do a lot. He can still be a guy who can win you football games. Good athlete. He's training. He's getting healthy, and I think he could be a guy. He's absolutely a good quarterback. So this theory is a little out there that I was kind of thinking of, but maybe that foot injury. I mean, if he's recovered from it, obviously we don't know how well he does. Maybe that gave his shoulder because that was the previous injury. That was two years ago that he had the shoulder injury. Him playing this season, it would not have been on a hundred percent shoulder. He rested mm-hmm. his shoulder the whole year. He wasn't playing. So the shoulder. I think we're, whenever we see Cam Newton next, we're going to see a healthy Cam Newton. Yeah, if he's healthy, I think he still has it. So here's the last time he's healthy. I think the injury, if you could correct me if I'm wrong, I think they think it happened towards the midseason of last year, of 2018. Yeah. So before, so weeks one through eight in 2018, he he threw 15 touchdowns, four picks, and and the Panthers were six and two. He was being brought up in MVP conversation. They'd beaten the Eagles. Yeah, they were great. They were phenomenal. On the way to a great season, and then, it just bottom fell out. I remember that game against against Pittsburgh on Thursday night where they lost by like 31. Yeah. It just started getting really it snowballed. They went 0-6 in his last six games. He yeah. had nine touchdowns and nine picks. He was not dynamic. It was bad. He, he, he was awful. And was awful. also to add that they were, they were a playoff team in 2017, and they lost that tough game, if you remember, in New Orleans. Yeah. I think at home they won the division, and they lost that tough game to New Orleans. So yeah, It was a tough one. I remember that. And, uh, yeah, but here's the thing that worries me. He comes back last year. The shoulder did not look good. I mean, obviously, he only had two games. He played against the Rams and the Buccaneers. Buccaneers, yeah, on Thursday night, which is the game that everybody remembers because yeah. it was a really rough one. And he just didn't look right. But um, yeah. he had so he had a, a 56% completion percentage, which is just not passable in the NFL. And the other thing was he had negative five rushing yards. If that part of his game is gone where he can't be a runner, I don't know how much I trust him because that was su- that's such an important part of his game. I, I don't know how much. I like him, and I think he could throw the ball over, and I think he's still mobile, but I don't know how much we have left of him as a runner when he's going to be able to get in six to ten carries a game. I just Around the goal line, I think he'll still be able to push him, but I just don't think he's a guy, especially injury-prone, that he's going to be able to be taking those hits. But I still think he could throw the ball around, and I think he's still a winner. He's got that championship pedigree to him, which you can't undervalue. So I think if you put him in a good situation, he could build the team up. He's still young, going to get him on a good deal. So who knows? I mean, from the perspective of a Jaguars or a Patriots or Chargers, what's the harm? Each team is either drafting a guy or has a guy who they think might be it. 
So giving Cam Newton a one-year deal, if he if he goes off, you sign him to a big Ryan Tannehill like extension, and you have yeah, exactly. a quarterback. If not, you move on from him. It's not going to be that expensive. It'll be a one-year and what we said about Chicago too. Putting another guy can only help, only lead to more competition. Yes. So, and he's not a guy who's going to cause rifts in the locker room like Antonio Brown. He's a good locker room guy. He's a good leader. He's a charismatic guy. I think that he could just help a team. He can bring some swagger to a team. So we talked about two camp fits in Chargers and Patriots. So do you want to – let's just go in a little bit more in-depth on what their QB situation is right now. So for the Chargers, Tyrod Taylor is the um, quarterback one as it stands. His last season as a full starter, as a full-time starter, was uh, 2017. The Bills made the wild card game. He had 14 touchdowns, four picks, 63%, 63% completion percentage. And um, in his three years as a starter, 2015, 2016, 2017, they made the playoffs once. He was, again, similar number, 17 touchdowns, six picks, 20 touchdowns, six picks. And he rushed for 1,500 yards in three years. So basically, well, I- he's a very average mobile quarterback is what I get. But there's another guy in um, Los Angeles with the Chargers, Easton Stick. From North Dakota State, I like a lot. I like him a lot. I think obviously we've never seen, we've never really seen him, but Carson Wentz has been so great out of that program. So who really knows what could come with him? And I think they're going to give him a chance. I think hopefully he's doing good in practice, and hopefully he gets a chance to compete for the starting job. I think he that there's going to be a competition for the starting job with the Chargers. So whether it's between him and Tyrod Taylor or someone else and Tyrod Taylor, there's going to be a competition for the starting job. And it should be noted, Tyrod was supposed to be the placeholder for Baker Mayfield two years ago with uh, Cleveland. He played three games, and he was he, he was, was very disappointed midway through week three against the Jets. Jets yeah, and uh, he had he had like forty nine percent completion percent. Obviously, it's a small yeah. sample size. He still could run, but he really did not look good. Yeah, that was he's still an athletic guy though, but he was he was very disappointing. Yeah, the Browns thought they were going to be able to roll with him for like eight or ten games until yeah. early, or maybe even the year. Just didn't work out. That and way. even in Buffalo, he was disappointed when they gave with Nathan Peterman. So he still was, he still never proved that he could be a legit franchise quarterback. But this is the best situation he's ever been in with all the weapons they have around him with Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Williams, Hunter Henry. They have guys around him. They, they, they do. They have, that's what I'm saying. That's why, if they, that's why I think Tyrod might be able to do some, some good with that team. I mean, like, like we said, like he's not going to throw picks. He's, a, he's, he's like a Bridgewater, except you take away the throwing ability and you morph it into running ability. That's true. You know? but- he's very safe. He's not going to throw picks, but he's, he's not going to win you games. And I think that the Chargers, is it a defeatist attitude? Because you're like, we have Patrick Mahomes in our division. We're fighting for the seventh or sixth seed. We're not winning the division. Is it that type of thing where you're not going to go all in on a quarterback because you think that it's not going to make a difference in your division? Um, well, I don't. I think it's a very desirable spot, though. It's a very good offense, great city, some guys on defense, and I think now there's three wild cards spots. You don't really have to worry so much about winning your division. You could come in second place in that division. And you're a playoff team. So um, now also just to quote uh, Anthony Lynn on Tyrod. So he's Anthony Lynn is the uh, Chargers coach. And he said, uh, I'm very familiar with Tyrod. I would say right now it looks like he's in the driver's seat, but no position is final until we get to training camp. And then he also said, we're looking at everybody. I want to turn over every single rock. So, yeah, we're looking at everybody. Yeah, so that's going to be a lot. Yeah. We're not going to talk about this for sure. Uh, yeah. So, um, and also they have the sixth pick. They could take a two or they could take a Herbert. I hope, I hope they don't. I hope because 
with guys like Newton, Winston, Dalton on the market, I hope you don't waste this, the sixth pick with so much talented guys, Hokuda, um, Isaiah Simmons, if he's still around, I hope they don't waste that pick on a quarterback. There's so many good guys on the market and guys on their roster. That would be very silly of them. So now to the Patriots, which uh, the Chargers situation is interesting. The Patriots situation is just – Not but not much to talk about. You, you got to think that the mastermind has a plan, but, I mean, there's just not much to talk about there. Are they going to draft someone like Jake Fromm or Jalen Hurts or Jordan Love? I, I don't know. I think I got to think he's got a plan. Maybe his plan's Trevor Lawrence next year, but I got to think he's got something up his sleeve because neither one of those guys is the long-term answer. So just to go into the in-house options for those of us that don't know, Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer are the two guys on their depth chart. They just released Cody Kessler. Um, Brian Hoyer is had a point in his career where he was a competent quarterback, but he was – I think I can pass that. He's 1-11 in his last 12 starts since 2016. Um, that One thing that stood out to me as I was uh, doing a little research, Devin McCourty, the McCourty brothers, Matthew Slater, have all like been public in endorsing both Stidham and Hoyer as guys who they think can get the job done. That's, so that's, what, you have, that's what you have to say, though. You're not going to say, yeah, both of our guys stink. But no, no, no. The only reason I'm saying that is because those are guys who – those are those are high up on the Belichick tree. Those are guys who are. So I think that maybe this is more of a hunch than anything, but maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they know that the plan is to stick with those guys. Obviously, plans can change. Anything can happen. But just those guys of those like those are some of the longest cal uh, longest uh, longest tenured Patriots. So that just interests me. It could be nothing, but I was just uh, thought it was a interesting nugget. And um, per uh, USA Today. They've had meetings with, like, second-tier QBs. They met with uh, James Morgan from Florida International after the East-West Shrine game. They've been doing due diligence on the guys, like you said, Jake Fromm, Jordan Love. This guy, Jake Luton, Luton from uh, Oregon State, who's actually 6'7". He's massive. He's a 6'7", skinny guy. He can really throw the ball. Uh, he's an intriguing guy for me. That would be interesting. I think we'll see them at some point in the draft and next month pick a quarterback. I expect to see that for sure. And then into Stidham, I mean – if if he came out of school two years before a year before he did, I'd be so much more interested in him because his stats for his 2018 his junior season it was his first year at Texas A&M because he transferred from Baylor. He um threw Auburn. 18 touchdowns. Auburn. Sorry, I messed him up with somebody else. But um when he transferred, no, he transferred from Baylor to Auburn. Yeah, from Baylor to Auburn. Yeah, sorry. But um, so he had 18 touchdowns, six picks in 2018. 2019, he had 18 touchdowns, five picks. But what really alarmed me was uh, his completion percentage dropped 6%, which is that's – a, that's, a, that's a number. What was his completion number. percentage? It was 66 his first year as the Auburn starter and 60%. 60% as a college quarterback is – That's very alarming to me because you never – very rarely you see a guy increase his completion percentage from college to the NFL. Oh, yeah. It's increase. It's yeah, so I think it's going to be it's tough. Cool. That was another big alarm with Josh Allen who had a low 64% completion percentage at Wyoming. So I just don't know if he's going to be able to bring that up. It's very alarming. But he's in a good situation. But I got one crazy scenario for you for New England, Let me which I heard them talking about. We got the 23rd overall pick. We got their third-round pick in Julian Edelman to the Lions for that number three overall pick, and then they could select a quarterback there. That's what I heard. That crazy. Would- <laughs> So the Julian Edelman, so the Patriots, 
the Patriots to uh, the the Detroit Patriots would continue the yes, exactly. mass exodus of Patriot players and picks to uh, yes. Patricia in Detroit, which would be just how many guys Great. are former Patriots their whole defense. So, yeah, and then we can, let's go into the NFL draft now if we want to talk about that. I think we could talk about the two and number two overall pick, number three overall pick. I think that's really going to get interesting. I think we got to assume Joe Burrow won. And then we could let's talk Tua versus Herbert first. What do you All think right. about those two guys? So, you know, I look at Tua and it's just I love him, man. I really like what he brings to the table. I know that the injury concerns are there, but let me just – Read some of his uh, – this is per NFL.com based on his combine and his tape and whatnot. So he, um, they said he's, he really does fit the mold of dual-threat QBs. And just to elaborate on that, he's only six feet tall. And if this was 2010, people would look at him and say he's a second-round quarterback. But obviously the, uh, the way that guys like Ashton, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees have become stars in the league, some of our best quarterbacks are smaller mm-hmm. guys – that's really not a concern for me anymore. I don't look at a – yeah, The height doesn't concern me. He, um, he's active and agile on his feet, quick setups and resets. He has a rare upper body twitch that allows for a fast release. And if you watch the tape, you can see that. He really – he rips the ball. He gets rid of it so quick. He avoids sacks. Obviously, Alabama is a great offensive line, but he's still playing against SEC defense. He can sit in the pocket. He's not afraid to sit in there if he has to. And just a bunch of other stuff about his arm, his arm talent. He can make all those throws. We saw that. And really, the only it's the injuries for me. That's what scares me. I think that if he wasn't injured, I'd take him over Joe Burrow. That's bold. I, it's just I really like Tua. Well, two things that I really love Tua. Watching him play at Alabama, he's a treat to watch. Can sling the ball around. But I'm gonna go with Justin Herbert. Two major reasons. One, and this applies to Joe Burrow, too, the SEC is not a quarterback factory. They're the best for receivers, best running backs, best for everything, but they do not generate a lot of great quarterbacks. Matt Stafford and Cam Newton are the only, like, legitimate quarterbacks who came out of the SEC, and they still haven't done great numbers. Alabama's never really generated a successful NFL quarterback. So, I don't know, and I think that's because he's playing with far superior wide receivers, far superior offensive linemen. He's never been tested where he's going to be coming into a team like Detroit or Miami, where he's going to be playing with not as great guys, and he's going to have to be making the great plays for this team. Well, I like a situation like um, Detroit or Miami because I think, like, obviously we'll go a little cross-sports reference here. I could see him being a Joel Embiid who just – he rehabs the whole first year. If you're in that – especially with the D- Detroit. I love the scenario where um, Detroit takes him because – they, they have Matt Stafford on top. Matt Stafford is still a very good quarterback. You run with Matt Stafford for a year or two, and then you have two awaiting. I know people – it seems like we've become anti the wait-and-see strategy. We have become anti the wait-and-see, yeah. I, I, personally, I still like it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers sat on the bench for three, four years. Philip Rivers sat on the bench for two, three years. It, there, it has – learning from a really good quarterback and just learning the ways of the NFL, I think yeah. it's still a thing that can work. And especially for a guy like Tua – who he's loved by his teammates. He's loved by his coaches. He has that great attitude. He just seems like the type of guy. Another great. thing is, too, is a young guy. Two was only at Alabama for three years. A guy like Justin, two was 21. Justin Herbert's 22, 20, almost 23. So I think you still could get a guy 23 years old after waiting two years, which could be very nice. 
So, but I think the big thing though is the contracts. So if he waits on the bench for two years, then you only get two years from on that rookie deal, and then you have to give him that big contract if he's the guy you expect him to be. Mm -hmm. But I just feel as if if you're really confident in him being that guy, you have it's a risk you have to run. I think. I guess so. Yeah. Just some things that I feel about him: his mentality, coachability, stature, and talent. I think they show a lot of Russell Wilson. I, I see. Yes, but, but it's easy. To, it's easy to be coachable at Alabama when you're smacking everyone by 35 points. It's easy yeah, to look good when you're smacking everyone and you're out of the game at halftime. So I think that I don't know about that. And then he's compared to Herbert. Herbert, I also think I'm not that. If I'm going to be honest, I'm not the biggest Justin Herbert guy. And so he obviously fits the mold. He's six five. He's a big body. He can make a Go lot leader. of. Change the program around. Yeah, yeah, he's big for them. Um, he uh, but the thing, one thing is, this is another from from NFL.com and their and their analysts. There are a lot more red flags on him based on a lot of Tua's red flags were all a lot of them were injury and um injury based because obviously let's, he's been let's not overlook that injury though because no, the hip injury is a serious injury it's almost huge. one of the worst ones you could get that's tough to come back from bo jackson never was able to same after that same injury but he has looked i mean he just posted a video on his instagram a couple of days ago he was throwing he looked good and the 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 recovery rate that he's been going at it's been faster than what they expected like you remember when the injury happened they were talking about him being so injured that he was going to fall to the second round or late first. That is the true. Fact he's popping up in the top ten, I think, shows that although teams are still very wary of what the injuries were, they're very impressed with the way that he's healed up. Yeah, but you don't know how great he's healed up until he straps on shoulder pads no, and takes the first hit. Definitely. But um, for Herbert, he's, he's a little bit – his throws are a little bit flat. He has a little bit of lack of touch at some points. This is um, per the scouting report. And they, the way they put it was, he's more mechanical and less maestro. So how how to read that is basically, he's Tua might be a guy who's gonna make a bunch of moves, make a crazy throw downfield. Herbert's gonna be more of a guy stand in the pocket, make the make the quiet read and go on. And that's safe and that's good, but I just don't know if he has the creativity that is a marker a marker of NFL quarterbacks. Well, here's the biggest thing that worries me about Tua is, let's just say he goes to Detroit or Miami. That means that. He, from college to NFL, he would be getting a downgrade at wide receiver. His receivers at Alabama last year would actually be better than his NFL wide receivers. And he's obviously going against far superior defenses. So do we really think that he could take that to the next level like that? Like Justin Herbert is obviously in the playing with some toys that he's never had access to. Wherever he goes, Miami, he's going to get Devontae Parker. If he goes to the Chargers, he's going to have guys like Keenan Allen. Well, two is accustomed to having guys like Jerry Jr. and Harry Runks who are just running flies, and it's a touchdown. They're playing rock, paper, scissors over there for who's going to score. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tua, you're, that's a very valid point, and I think – but I just have trouble putting down Tua because he had a great team. I mean, I know it's something that might take a little getting used to, and that's where I think it will help him that he might not play out of the gate. Mm -hmm. I mean, Justin Herbert, I think he – in all likelihood, I think he's going to go to L.A. Unless I, there could, I think this year the draft trades could be there. It's going to be an interesting draft. Obviously, everything's being done telecommunicate-wise yeah. due to COVID. And um, so it'll be interesting to see if that affects, like, more activity or less activity or if it has any effect. But I think that just based on this year's draft and the quarterbacks and just everybody, there's a lot of teams who could trade down, could trade up. And 
I don't know unless unless Herbert if Herbert goes to LA, which is where I think he will go. I think he starts from day one, and I don't think that's going to work out. I just think I think the NFL. Ooh, I think he's ready to go. I think he's he was ready to go. I think last year, and he came back for the program, and I think he's ready to go. I think he's got the size, he's got the mechanics. I think he could be ready to go week one in a team like the Chargers, if that's where we see him. I think with Keenan Allen and all those veterans around him, I think he could be ready to go. Yeah, and where I think that. Two is a Russell Wilson. I think Herbert's like Joe Flacco. I think he's gonna. Be I love. Good. I love Joe Flacco. Yeah, Joe Flacco is a good quarterback. He he's uh bantered around in the elite category on and off for his uh <laughs> for his career. But um, that's what I'm saying. I think both have great potential, but I just think two is the type of guy who I really think could have a huge impact and really turn around a team and a franchise. Where I don't know if that's gonna be Herbert. I think let's now go on to one of the stories that's been very interesting. It kind of rises and falls. But what about Washington at number two? Chase Young versus probably Tua, if we're being honest. It's probably Chase Young versus Tua. I don't think they're going to jump and grab Herbert at two. But Chase Young versus Tua, what do we think? Uh, For me, you have to go Chase Young. He's an animal. He is. And I love an edge rusher. That's a game breaker. You need an edge rusher. I mean, for Chase, he's just – the way – if you watch him at Ohio State, he was involved in every play. He's like a Miles he – he's like a Miles Garrett without as much uh, – Yeah, for sure. Without as much chaotic energy. Um, Good guy, Jay Young. is everyone's – Jay Young is a, a, yeah, from a character standpoint. Character. He's, he had 16 and a half sacks. I mean – And he was getting double and triple team. Double and triple team. It's just – he breaks the game, and I think – for, for Washington, if you get Chase Young, you have Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, Chase Young. That's a really good defensive front. And I think everybody talks about the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the glamour positions. And if you can seal up your lines, your offensive line, your defensive line, that's a great place to start to construct your team. Well, I think the three most important things you got to have, right? You got to have a defensive line. You got to have an offensive line. But the most important, and it's always going to be, you got to have a quarterback. Does Washington, in their quarterback room right now, have the guy that can get them there? Because Washington is not going to get a number two pick for a long time, especially if they pick Chase Young. They're going to be stuck in that 6-10 to 10 to 10-6 10 and six range, and I don't think 10-6, and six, more 6-10. and 10. So a guy like Tua doesn't come around every year. And does Dwayne Haskins or one of those guys in that room the answer? I don't know. And if you think he is and you pick Chase Young, but if you're not sure, you really got to think about picking Tua. I mean, I think it's damaging that how Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen's situation worked out. Kyler Murray was great. Josh Rosen moved on and couldn't even start in Miami. And I'm just anti that practice, if I'm going to be honest. You draft a guy in the first round one year, surround him with not a good team, and if he doesn't perform, you move on to the next guy in the first round. I don't think that's a great way to build your team. I mean, right now it's working out for Arizona, but I don't think that that's the way it's going to work out for most teams. Well, well, I think what Washington has to do is they really have to – I think Dwayne Haskins the guy right now. So you have to really look at Dwayne Haskins, look at the tape, because you have plenty of tape on him, and see, can he be an NFL quarterback? Does he show signs of being an NFL quarterback? And if he does, you pick Chase Young. But if there's a lot of red flags and he just proves that he's not the guy, then, I mean, who knows when you're going to get another opportunity to get a quarterback like this. I mean, on a rookie contract. Dwayne Haskins, if we could just go a little into him, he obviously throwed a little bit. There was, there was definitely some red flags. But towards the end of the year, he really started throwing the ball better. Him and 
him and Terry McLaurin, they played together in college. They had a nice rapport with each other. They have some, they have some good guys on that offense. They've got um, Kelvin Harmon Jr. from uh, NC State, who I like a lot. Steven Sims has like a Tavon Austin kind of vibe where he can do a lot of different things. And I think Dwayne Haskins, I was watching him play against Philadelphia. You know that game, I think it was – That was his best game, yeah. He, he played really well. I mean, granted, Philadelphia's defensive backfield was a mess last year. It was very cool. But it still was very, very, very impressive. He was making a lot of throws. And, you know, they're running an option with him. He wasn't a runner in college, but I think what they yeah. what they were talking about is he wasn't a runner because he he didn't need to run. That Ohio State offense was uh-huh. a juggernaut. Great. Yeah. Kind of, he sat back. He did a lot of slants. He showed off his arm every now and then. But he can run. He's a very athletic guy. He can, he can make things something out of nothing. He can – he can do a lot on offense. Here's my biggest concern about him. And as you said, he can do a lot on offense. And they're going to need him to do a lot on offense because that's not such a talented offense. They obviously have some guys, but he's gonna, they're going to win and lose games based on Dwayne Haskins as their quarterback. And in the um, eight to ten games he had, he threw over 200 yards twice, he wasn't, which is not great. He wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't doing it this year. He was not doing it this year. But mm-hmm. that team was – I mean, first of all, you start off the season. He has he has people saying from week two that, oh, only one the coach didn't want him, but the front office did, or the front office didn't like him, but the coach did. Jay Gruden was wasn't big on him, but like it's just such a it was such Washington. Their their issues in the front office have been well documented yeah. over the years, and it's a hard situation to go into. And then once you have like yeah, he was starting, then he wasn't already, starting. But now with now with Ron Rivera. If Ron Rivera gives his like hope Dwayne, Dwayne has, if he, if he pledges Dwayne Haskins, I believe in you, I think that that's great. But he just brought in Kyle Allen and Bucky Brooks, who's an NFL, who writes for the NFL. He um, released an article and said, if you see Kyle Allen running out, of the, uh, running out of the tunnel as the starting quarterback come week one, don't be that surprised. So if that's the situation, if you're yeah. going to Kyle Allen instead of Dwayne Haskins, then draft to him. But if you're committed yeah. to giving Dwayne Haskins a chance, which I think you should do, draft Chase Young, have a great defensive line, and let Dwayne Haskins improve. Uh, and in Haskins' last two games, he played really well. I mean, I think he got banged up against the Giants, but before that he was playing well, 80% completion, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And then he had the game against Philly, 261 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, QBR over 120 both games. So who knows? He's definitely shown signs, and they're going to have to see. And I think a guy like Chase Young is really good. Guy can bust open a game. That defensive front can be really talented for them. Yeah, I mean, Chase Young's a guy who's going to create turnovers. He's going to put your offense in a great position. That makes any quarterback's job easy, you know? When you have a short field, when, you're, when your defense is forcing punts, you feed off of that. And I think that, that yeah. could be a really beneficial situation for Washington. Another, and then that's another wide-open division that they have. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not sold on anybody. Yeah, and, I mean, it's hard to remember, but Washington still has a lot of pieces from a team that was poised to win the division before Alex Smith had a – Yeah, six and like, two. They were five and two. Six and three. Six and three, six and three yeah. When the injury occurred. So, yeah, they were on track. And then last year was a disaster, but they played better as the year went on. <laughs> Definitely. So, we'll so I think that now we got it. Today would be the big day. Today, right now, we should be getting ready to watch the Final Four. Oh, Jake, don't remind me. <laughs> Very heartbreaking. So, I think you go first. Give us your final four. So, uh, just a note before we get into it. We did it based on uh, Joe Lenardi from ESPN, his last bracketology. So, we might have had teams that we thought were better than these four teams, but we did it based on the bracket. Based on the bracket. So, so I'd had my 
Gonzaga, Gonzaga versus Creighton was one matchup, and Kansas versus Dayton was the other matchup. All right, so I'll give you mine. My first matchup, I had Kansas versus Dayton also. And then on my other side, I had Seton Hall versus Michigan State. Okay, so we have some uh, – we believe yeah. we agree on one side of the bracket, so we don't – On the other side, we're very different. Very, very different. So the Gonzaga – Gonzaga and Seton Hall are in the same region, so – I guess we'll go into that. Tell me why you think Seton Hall, and I'll tell you why I think Gonzaga. Bucket getters. You need guys who in the last four minutes of games can win you a game. You need a score down the stretch, and Seton Hall just had that guy. That's fair. Seton Hall, I mean, I was watching um, Miles Powell. He had a, He's a great player. I love watching Miles Powell. You can I mean, score the ball. Anywhere. You can score from anywhere. But he also shot under 40% from the field this season. He also had games where he came out of the he came out into the rack, the uh, Rutgers the Rutgers Stadium for that big game for that game. That's a big deal in uh, the Garden State. Yeah. And um, he came out. He was 0 for 11 or something in the first couple of minutes, and they got beat by 27 by uh, an eight seed Rutgers team. And that's what worried me. I love Miles Powell. I think he's a great player. He gets buckets. But I think that I just couldn't count on him. Because they don't have such a supporting cast that I'm confident in, I just couldn't count on him going every single game doing enough for them to win. I just don't think they had enough backup for him to have a bad game. Because he wasn't going to do everything, shoot amazing every single game. I well, just, I think they had a good enough team that with him playing, eh, could get them out of the first weekend. They were going to be a three seed. I think that they were going to be able to get out of that first weekend. Mm-hmm. So then, who was the two seed in that bracket? Do we know that Seton Hall was supposed to play? Uh, Seton Hall would have played. Let me get it up. Um, so Seton Hall would have been against. Because that was Gonzaga one and Seton Hall three. So it would have been they would have played BYU, which would have been a tough matchup if BYU beat Indiana, and then they would have been playing against San Diego State or Arizona or Texas Tech or UC yeah. Irvine, but most likely yeah. I think we can say San Diego State. And San Diego State was a tough team to beat. I love San Diego State, but I just think when you want to go, and I think that game would have been, been close. That would have been a great game, Malachi. Would have been a great game. Would have been sixty sixty down the stretch, and I just think that he would have had enough to take over down the stretch. But then you run into the big bad Gonzaga, Gonzaga, and Gonzaga. Listen, this was not even. I don't think this Gonzaga team is better isn't better than last year. They don't have as many NBA players, but they just get it from everywhere. So just a couple of sets. They have five guys over ten points per game, and then Philip Petrosev, who just he got no re- national recognition, maybe because they're in the West Coast Conference, which isn't filled with other powerhouses. But he averaged seventeen and a half per game. And he will force your big man to foul out. So yeah. Seton Hall big man, his name's Romano Gill. He's really good. He's a big he's a big player. He gets um he's seven two. He's one of the tallest guys in college basketball. He averaged three point two blocks per game. And um Petrosev would have had a field day with a guy like that. And then you have the uh, Sandro Mamushinvili, a name that is very hard to say, and a player yeah. very good. Then that would have been the matchup, and Petrosev would have dominated guys and I think that's what puts them into the final four for me but I don't know I just I just think Gonzaga is great at Gonzaga we're talking about correct Gonzaga is great at losing in the tournament they're great at losing in March that's what they do there they don't they don't win they don't 
they're not great in March. And I just think that stats are very misleading in the West Coast Conference. Fair, fair. Dean Hall played in a very, very, very competitive. No, it was loaded. They were loaded. And they were still playing great. Guys were averaging. They had three guys averaging 10 plus. Miles Powell averaged 21 a game. And that's competitive. Great defenses. Great teams. Well, Gonzaga was kind of beating teams that were not of caliber. That's fair. That is fair. But I just think, again, with the shooting, I think shooting numbers, those are numbers that are hard to lie against because you're still getting contested. No matter if you're getting contested by a big guy, a small guy, West Coast Conference, Big East. If you can shoot the ball, you can shoot the ball in the tournament. Yeah. And it's not like Gonzaga had one guy who was shooting the ball. They had three guys who were shooting over 40% from three. They, they just had a really good inside-out game. They had depth. They, I just really like this Gonzaga team because unlike a lot of teams who relied on one guy, they just did it in and out with a lot of different players. They played good defense. And I think Miles Powell, as good as he was, I don't think he would have had enough support to uh, take down that team. I don't know. I think, I think they were dangerous. And they had guys that were – they were very well-rested, well-rested. They didn't have a lot of guys going a lot of minutes. Points per 40 minutes. Obviously, they weren't going to play 40 minutes. But if these guys were playing 40 minutes, they had six guys averaging – over 10 points and two guys three guys averaging over 15 so they could score the ball and if it got up there like that into the 80s and the 90s they had guys who could score the ball sandro quincy mcknight miles powell all those guys could score the ball with gonzaga but i just think when you look at gonzaga they're just so deep and i think this was really the year that their guards they're really really good guards brian woolridge he was a big shooter Admon gilder he was from he was on that um, Texas A&M team that was very good with uh, oh, Robert yeah. Williams. He was uh, Joel Ayayi, who was a who's a who's um, a freshman, I believe. He played. A, he's a really good, energetic guy off the bench. They just had a lot. And there was who did? Who was the four seed in that region? Four seed in that region would have been Oregon, and fifth seed was Michigan State. Mm-hmm. So that would have been Michigan, Michigan, not Michigan State. So I liked Oregon a lot. Not obviously to beat Gonzaga, but to beat Oregon, that would have been a really tough game too. Oh, Oregon yeah, has great scores. That's tough weekend for them. Two great scores they would have had to go up against. Two first team guys, two first team All Americans they would have had to go up against. That's tough, tough, yeah, tough. Playing San Diego State, that wouldn't have been easy for Seton Seton Hall. That's true. That's true. With tough bracket they had there. All right. So now, who'd you have in your fourth final four spot? So I had. The Creighton Blue Jays. And they were the two seed? They would have been, per this, they were the two seed in the bracket with Baylor. Uh, I don't know. Neither of us had Baylor, which is pretty funny. I have um, Michigan State. So that our Sweet 16 would have been the region championship for us. But um, So right now, it's, it seems like I'm trusting depth and you're trusting individual performances. That's just a, that's a year-long thing for Mark because you look at a team like – Virginia, we won it last year. That wasn't a one-man show. Yeah. Of course, they had guys who could score. Kyle Guy could score down the stretch. Oh, no, yeah. They had guys. But I think this Creighton team, they were just they were just so undervalued. They were You were, you were talking about with Seton Hall how good the Big East was. Yeah. They were they tore through the Big East. They had a couple, like, bad losses to, in the beginning of league play. After that, they had a weird game against St. John's and Queens, a sketchy, like, 20-point loss. But – that was probably just – it was more of an anomaly than anything else to be worried about. They had two – their two guards, Marcus Zaragowski and Tyshawn Alexander, both put in 16 a game. Mm-hmm. So those are two guys who can score down the stretch for you. And then they had six guys who were over eight a game. And they, they had a lot of – they played small ball. This was a small team. They don't have bigs. <coughs> so 
So when they went up against a Baylor team that was so big man oriented, I think it would have been they, they, this Creighton team is like the Rockets without the individual scoring. Uh-huh. They're a college basketball version of a small ball team. They play fast. They play. They score a lot, and they need to score. And I was confident in their guys to score and make shots to get them into the Final Four. I don't know. I just I, we obviously have differences in opinion. I just love a guy like Cassius Winston. I think a guy was playing on a mission. It's tough to stop a man on a mission. A team leading a team on a mission that was going to get there. They were just starting to find their stride. They were number one, correct, in the preseason. So obviously they have the guys, and I just think that was a team that was starting to find their stride. They were. I think they were going to take the Big Ten tournament, and I think they were going to find their stride come that point. Yeah. So they, I, they were looking great. I will give you that. Coming out of – they had one, I think, against – they won a couple of games in a row. They won Maryland. They went to Ohio State. Yeah. Won. That was a great win they got against Maryland. They were, they, were, they were really playing good ball. They had a big comeback against Penn State, who was a really cool yeah. team this year. But, again, it's just – you have Cassius Winston, who, again, a guy who I'm really sad that we never got to – who we didn't get to see in March again. He's a great yeah. player. He had a great March. That's hard, yeah. Our guy that's And um, Xavier Tillman's a big man who's really good – and would have he would have feasted down low against this Creighton team. Yeah. But um, I just don't know where who else. I mean, you have Gabe Brown off the bench who's inconsistent. Rocket Watts, Lamelo Ball's Spire teammate, who again had a good year but yeah. really inconsistent. So the thing that hurt them, they had this guy Josh Langford. I bet you might remember him from last year. Yeah. He was a really good player. He never played for them this year. If they had him, I think they would have been a national champion. To be uh-huh. honest. He was like that third guy that this team needed, but I don't think they would have been able to make the final four without the, without that guy. Uh-huh. Without so now guy. let's let's get into the final four. On one side, we could talk about Kansas and Dayton. So who do you have coming out of there? You know, I think we're going to agree on this one because as much as I want to go with the underdogs from the A10, this Kansas team is something else. Great shooters, guards you could score, big men, and Azubuki Harper. They were impressive. I think one of the best teams we've seen in a long time. Just They didn't really have much weaknesses in their game. And as great as Obi Toppin was and entertaining to watch, and they had other guys around him in Dayton, I think it would have been really tough for anyone to beat Kansas because they had a lot of guys who could score. So one guy is an off night. They're fine. They got rim protection. It would, it's going to be tough for anyone to beat them. Yes. Yeah, so, um, the they did play in the Maui Gym Invitational, and it was a, it was a Kansas won, but it was a, it was a game. It was a very good game. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it. Obviously, it's hard to judge numbers from November. Yeah. Especially this college basketball season. But for whereas a lot of teams, the teams that I mentioned above when we were talking about Seton Hall and Michigan State, I was concerned with their lack of a true, like, third or second scorer. For this team, because Devon Dotson and Doka Azubuki, one, take most of the touches, and two, are very efficient. It doesn't worry me as much. And they have guys who, on different nights, like Ochobi, is really good. Marcus Garrett can, can get it going. Isaiah Moss from Iowa, he was a transfer. So they have guys who in different situations would be the third scorer, where it might not be the same guy, but as long as I'm confident in a guy who can yeah. do it, that there is a guy there, I'm, I was happy with that for them. And their defense, it's funny because Big 12 football, defense doesn't happen. Yeah, not great. Big 12 uh, basketball defense is, is the biggest paramount. Yeah. And they got room protectors, I think. Basketball teams. Uh Yeah, I I love Dotson a lot. I thought he was one of the best players in the country. Good team. I don't think there's much really to talk about. We could just praise Kansas some more, but I think that it's pretty clear that they were going to the finals. And then you had Gonzaga, correct, 
mm-hmm. on the other end. And then I had um, I got Michigan State. So we already talked a lot about them. But then I, I guess either of those teams, I think Gonzaga would have had. Yeah, I think Michigan State would have gotten washed by Kansas. This it, was just Kansas this year. They had their team, and it's really a shame. But and you really feel for those teams like Kansas and Dayton and San Diego State, who really had one of their best teams. I mean, Kansas is going to be bad. Kansas will be there, but I, you really feel bad for a Dayton where they had a jet. They, there might not ever be another Obi Toppin at Dayton. There might not be another Malachi Flynn at San Diego State. So from that perspective, where you had San Diego State's had some good teams, but really Dayton's never had anything like him. Never had anything like that team. It's really heartbreaking that it had to happen like it's this. It's a good program. They're good. They'll they'll be a seventeen eight seed. Yeah, they'll get back to March, but but it's just the opportunity to be a one seed and be able to really control your own destiny. Yeah, sense where you're not going to go when you, where you're the power team where you're not yeah. going up as the underdogs. It was a great experience. It was great to watch. So yeah. it just is a shame. Well, hopefully that this can uplift them a little bit from a culture thing. It's going to be great for recruiting this year, but. A guy like Obi Thompson doesn't come around every year for a team, and it's real. Point guard Jalen Crutcher, who is also so underrated, he was 15 points per game, four assists, 42 percent from three. He was like the engine for that team. Besides Obi Thompson, if Obi Thompson was having an off night, they had plenty of guys there who could have played. They were ready for March, well rested, and not play a lot of second halves. They were going to be ready. The Kansas, that Kansas, uh, if that Kansas Dayton game ended up falling in the Final Four. That would have been a treat for college basketball. Would have been a good game. Would have been a great game. Would have been one of the best games I think we've seen in a long time. Right up there with um, some of those that Duke Kansas game from a couple years ago with Grayson Allen. I'll remember that was a great game. Sviatsova Majolik. And uh, the other guy. He was really good. So now that we're on the topic of, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about Kirk Herbstreit and Dabo Sweeney's comments that happened this week where Kirk Herbstreit was very pessimistic about it. And Dabo Sweeney was optimistic about it. So I don't think there's a lot that we don't really know a lot of the information. I think that what the meeting yesterday with Donald Trump gave us some hope is he said he hopes that fans back in arenas by August and September. But I just don't love that comment by Dabo Sweeney. I, more than anyone, want to have football. But a guy to come out like that who's, un- who's uneducated on the topic to say that they're having a college football season, and I think if they don't, he's going to look like a donkey. So and he's already he's still traveling, which I don't like. So I think he needs to wisen up a little bit. But here's here's my thing. So we read so you read the quote a lot. So first of all, before, for those of you who don't know the uh, quotes we're talking about, yeah. so Kirk Herbstreit, like about a week ago, I think the uh, reports came out. He he was interviewed and he said, I don't think that if we have a college football season, it'll be short, and I don't know if we're going to have one. Something along those lines. Then a couple of days later, Dabo Sweeney, who's Clemson's head coach, came out and saying, I think that we're definitely going to have a college football season. But the issue with this is we read the quote. The quote is the headline, and this is what happens a lot. If you go into the article, which I did, and you read what Dabo Sweeney said, he said, obviously the first quote I didn't agree with. But then I read what he said, and he was saying, listen, it's my job. I'm, not a, I'm a football coach, not a scientist. It's my job to assume the best and assume – and believe in American ingenuity to get things done. And he, he, he even admitted he, he knows he's not a scientist, but he said, I'm going to keep believing until I can't. So I think that it's an issue of headlines that kind of were misconstrued. Yeah. He wasn't claiming to be a scientist. He was trying to be optimistic. Yeah, but there's, there's a difference between being optimistic and saying, I really hope, I'm confident. But he said, there's going to be a college football season. This is America. 
But so if, then if he comes to September comes and he doesn't, then, I mean, he's going to be a guy who has to look He's putting his name on the line. He's allowed to do that. Yeah, he is allowed to do it's, that. It's at his own risk. That's why we're, I allowed to criti- we're allowed to criticize him for it. Exactly, exactly. But I think that Kirk Herbstreit, on the other hand, he's doing a lot of the same things in a pessimistic way. He doesn't know. Yeah. I didn't love what Kirk Herbstreit said either. Like, he's, a, he's not a scientist. And he didn't even come out and say, I'm not a scientist. So I do agree. I don't like Kirk Herbstreit saying that that's not your job to tell us there's not going to be a college football season. But at the end of the day, very few people know. Very few people know things, and us two are not two of those yeah. people. Yeah, so we can't really talk much about it. We hope sports are back as soon as possible. But while yeah. they're on, we will be here. Um, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and we're we'll be back hopefully next week. And yeah. have a good week. Stay safe and uh, keep keep watching us. Uh huh. Thank you. See you soon, everybody.